The following podcast was made possible by the sponsorship of Teresa Leong Lee and by Catholic Digital Resources, where you can find downloadable faith formation resources and evangelization tools. Visit Catholic Digital Resources at CatholicDR.com to build your own faith and the faith of others. That's CatholicDR.com. Hi, I'm Terry Modica, and I want to welcome you into a retreat that was recorded live at St. Patrick Catholic Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina in 2013. Entitled Celebrating God's Love in Your Domestic Home Church, it focused on God's design for family life and the vocation of marriage. In part one, we look at what God's radical love means. It's the root of all successful Christian living. It's the root of our joy. It's the root of our connection to God and our connection to each other, including loved ones who have gone home to heaven. Do you need more of this in your family relationships today? Listen in. The handouts given to people who attended this retreat are available to you on our website. To find the link, see the show notes for this podcast, or go to our website, gnm-media.org and select the video on God's radical love. Let's begin now with a prayer to open yourself to all that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you. Pray with me. Come, Holy Spirit, renew me. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me. Come, Holy Spirit, teach me. Come, Holy Spirit, you have my permission to change me. Anything that works against our being connected with each other is sin because it disconnects us. Now, for the most part intelligent, violence is the bad guys, and the good guys have to fight them to be heroically stopping the evil. But sex is seen as something that, if you don't have it on your first date, there's something wrong with you. Sex is often seen in TV shows as, now we finally realize that we do want to date because I've just had a sexual encounter with you in the hallway. <laughs> Fortunately, no one else was in the hallway at the time. <laughs> and then they started dating. And this is reshaping what kids think is normal. So, what else? How else is the media reshaping our domestic churches? Yeah, they're less in the picture. And not respected. We have gone, thank you, that's one of my favorite pet peeves. We have gone from father knows best to father's the stupidest. And who in, in the sitcom families are the smartest ones? The kids. It's upside down. The kids are telling the parents what to do. And the, and the parents do stupid things so that we all laugh. And we, as parents, have known, oh, that's not reality. But what are our kids beginning to get into their minds as they're watching it? And we say, oh, that's not reality. That's not the way we live at home. We're in charge. We're the parents. We're the grown-ups. And then what happens when they finally get away from us going off to college or whatever? I have two young adult kids. They're in their early 30s who were raised, as I, I used to say, on the Holy Spirit. Every time there was a parental issue and we, Ralph and I wondered how to deal with it, we prayed until we got the answer. We, we had such strong prayer lives that 
We sometimes didn't have to stop and pray. We just had the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit filling us with his wisdom about how to handle the situation. And we didn't do it perfectly. But we were pretty good parents. And yet, both of our kids, when they went off on their own, succumbed to things that were not of the Lord, that were not the way we raised them. It happens all the time. I mean, it even happened when we were teenagers, right? And we went off on our own. The thing is, now there is so much other influence working against our parenting. Even, even in the colleges that they go to. When my son went off to college, one of the professors said, my job is to unprogram you from the way your parents raised you. And we said to our son, now don't pay attention to that, just do what you have to do to get good grades and, and, and just let everything roll off your back. That's not, a, that's not true, that's not of the Lord. And uh, he said yes, but he was still gradually and gradually being infected with the lies that work against radical love. And it's affecting him to this day. Eventually some of them come around, but some take longer than others. You know, the role, of, the greatest parental role of parents whose kids have grown up is no longer with our mouths. You should go to church, but with our knees. Lord, please motivate them to go to church. Bring their lives to the point. Now we've all had conversion experiences, or you wouldn't be here today. Usually people who go to retreats have had some transformation in their lives that motivate them to want more of the Lord in their lives. And so we've all taken some kind of ownership of the faith that we were raised in, or maybe ownership of the faith that exists that we missed as a child. And every child we have has to go through taking ownership. Some do it quicker than others. But it's harder today because of the influences of the media. It's so much harder today that we now have a new psychological term for it. You know, back in the, in the early part of the 1900s, up until then, the, the child basically grew up after they, maybe they got a fourth grade education and then they had to go to work on the farm or whatever. And it was after we had enough industrial revolution and enough parents able to send their kids off to college that the, the, the children began to finish high school. And during that period of, of finishing school instead of becoming adult-like and taking on responsibilities, that was when the word adolescence came into being and the teenage rebellion phenomenon. That's when the word adolescence came into being. And teenage rebellion is simply the inner biological urge saying, it's time to grow up, but I can't. I'm still underneath my parents' authority. Now we have a new condition. When they reach college age, they also are taking another decade to take on the adult responsibilities in many cases. And so this is such a widespread phenomenon. I thought at first it was just my kids. And then everybody I talked to said, oh yeah, my kids are doing that too. And then I've been reading books about it. It's everywhere in our culture. And so this, it's such so prevalent that the sociologists have given it a term, emerging adulthood. 
because of the influence of the media, it's so prevalent. It's so infectious. Pope Francis recently announced that he's calling a special synod a year from now on family issues. Let me, let me read to you a little bit of what he says about that and why he's doing this. A synod, as you probably know, is all the bishops around the world come together to study an issue and develop a pastoral plan as to what to do about this issue. And Pope Francis, he said, you know what? The family, the domestic church, is in such trouble, we need to call a synod on this. Synods are not called very often. He says, concerns which were unheard of until a few years ago have arisen today, and as a result of different situations, from the widespread practice of cohabitation, which does not lead to marriage, and sometimes even excludes the idea of it, to same-sex unions between persons who are not infrequently permitted to adopt children, the many new situations requiring the church's attention and pastoral care include, and I'm not going to read everything, it's, he's got quite a bit in here, uh, the single parent family, a culture of non-commitment, and a presumption that the marriage bond can be temporary, forms of feminism that's hostile to the church, the influence of the media on popular culture and its understanding of marriage and family life and sexual life. New interpretations of what is considered a human right. Within the church, faith in the sacramentality of marriage and the healing power of the sacrament of penance, which can save so many marriages, show signs of weakness or total abandonment. Consequently, we can well understand the urgency with, with which the worldwide discipline is calling upon to address these challenges. For example, by simply calling to mind the fact that as a result of the current situation, many children and young people will never see their parents receive the sacraments. Then we understand just how urgent are the challenges to evangelization arising from the current situation. At Good News Ministries, we had discerned that we needed to really give a strong thrust to evangelizing those who come to our website, those who read the daily reflections that I send out on the readings from Mass, any opportunity that we can come up with <clears throat> to really help people understand God's radical love and how that empowers us to live radically. So when the Pope came out with this announcement about the Synod, I said, oh yeah, the Pope is right on. He, he, he must have read one of my reflections. <laughs> I sure felt affirmed, and it was like confirmation from God that what we had discerned in my office is truly where God is calling us to be. You know the story of Johnny Appleseed, right? How he spread the seeds. I really feel like God has called me and my staff to be the Johnny Appleseeds of, of, of radical love, spreading to you and anyone else the Lord sends us to, to help you understand your mission of going out and helping to restore the family the way God created it to be. It doesn't matter whether you've been divorced, come from a broken family, were in or are in a dysfunctional family where the radical love is not being manifested the way God has in mind. Because you know what? Those of us who are hurting, 
become the most powerful instruments for the kingdom of God because we've seen the dark side. When we get the healing that God offers us, then we become empowered with a passion. We don't want that dark side to have any more groundwork, and we become impassioned with God's desire in us to help make the world a better place, to help restore the family to the way God designed it to be. Some of the most powerful advocates for the vocation of marriage as God designed it to be are those who have suffered divorce, if they've gone through the healing process and become aware of God's radical love for them and God's radical calling to spread that love. Now, Ralph and I had been married 38 years, and there was a time when Ralph went through midlife crisis where I understood why people get divorced. <laughs> because of the vocation of marriage and the sacramentality. What's a sacrament? <laughs> Outward sign. You read the Baltimore Catechism. <laughs> one way to put it, and you're all right, but one way to put it is it's the presence of Christ freely giving us a gift. In the sacrament of confession, it's not a time of shame. It's a time of healing because it's not the priest who gives us absolution. It's Jesus in the priest, which is why we say the priest, the ordained priest, is in persona Christi. When the priest is consecrating the Eucharist on the altar, it's not the man doing it. It is Jesus doing it, time traveling from 2,000 years ago when he had that first Last Supper. In the sacrament of marriage, it's Jesus' presence freely giving us supernatural power to make the marriage work no matter what. But both husband and wife have to understand that. And when one does it, you've got to get on your knees and pray that eventually you'll understand. Go to the marriage encounter, someplace, or retrofine, someplace where they help communicate the truth. Ralph and I had a friend who, at the founding years of Good News Ministry, was very close to us. He'd been a friend for 20 years, and he joined the team. The, the three of us were the first, the founding board members, and we did parish missions together. But this friend was an alcoholic, and because we were beginning to do important work together, guess what the enemy wanted to do? The real enemy that Ephesians 6 talks about. He found a way to divide us. And our friend's dysfunctional childhood, he was the child of two alcoholic parents, his dysfunctional childhood and the dysfunction of being an active alcoholic who was in denial about it, no matter what we did, we got him to go to AA, we got him to, to go to a counselor, but he was not convinced. He just played the game to win us back. And so, we did have to finally remove him from our lives because he just did not want to work on his, his side of the radical love in the relationship. To him, love was lust, and he wanted to have an affair with me. And when that didn't work, his eyes wandered to other people, and you know, it, it was this is not what good news ministries is about. <laughs> And when we hear people saying, I'm not going to that Christmas ministry's event if he's going to be there, you know, that was a clue that, that 
we need to do something drastic. So we said, and this is what I recommended in doing spiritual direction for some people who are in wounded marriages, unhealthy marriages where there's some kind of abuse going on. Better draw the line. There's a great book, by the way, by some Christian psychologists called Boundaries in Marriage. I highly, highly recommend it, even for good marriages, because it helps avoid certain kinds of conflicts, many kinds of conflicts. But I learned how to set up boundaries against this friend in order to avoid scandal. And when he started treating friends and daughters of friends in this lustful way, we had to remove him from the ministry and we had to remove him from our lives. And we said, get the help you need. And when the counselor says that you're ready for a healthy relationship with us, then you're welcome back. He seemed to be making progress those first two times, which is why we welcomed him back. The third time, it's like, look, now we know you're just playing the game because if you haven't made any more progress in all this time, and I prayed, and we prayed, Ralph and I, and every step of the way, it was, Lord, another day? Another day of trying to show him God's radical love and teach him the difference between that and what he was raised with? And God would say, another day, Another day, and finally said, enough. I'm sending him, it's time to send him somewhere else and let somebody else try to take him from here. Sadly, he died without ever recovering, but we did reconcile before he died. So there are times when we have to draw the line and say, when you get the help you need. But the love never stops. Radical love is loving our enemies. Radical love means I feel so sorry that this person is like this, not just for my own sake, but for his own eternal sake. One time when early in the process, when this friend really drove me up the wall to a point where I was just like, Lord, I want to quit. Can we quit now? Can I, can I draw the boundary line that says out of our lives, period, now? And God said, no, let me help you. I'm going to give you my supernatural love for him. And in my prayer time, I felt God giving me an imagination vision. With my imagination, he showed me an image of a gem. It was about this big and right there in front of me, like where my hands are. And it was many faceted, like a diamond. It had, and there were different colors and different hues. And depending on which way the light hit the gem, different beauty came out of it. And God revealed to me that this is who we all are inside, created in God's image. We are all gems. You are all gems. Beautiful. My hair's too gray. You're still beautiful. I'm too fat. You're still beautiful. You're this gem. I'm, I sin. But you're still beautiful. Because that's the gem is who God created when he made us in his image. But... As we grew up, and as we dealt with, with people who sinned against us throughout our lives, at any time throughout our lives, someone sinned against us, or did even not a sin, but made mistakes that hurt us, that was throwing muck, mud, on our gem. And when we sin, we're adding muck onto it, and the sacrament of confession cleans off our muck. And 
the healing that's available through counselors and the Eucharist and spiritual direction and and whatever tools, there's many tools out there. The healing we get from what people have done to us cleans off the muck so that we can shine to be who God really designed us to be. So he asked me if I was willing to look beyond the muck in my friend and see the gem, remember the gem that was there. That helped me tremendously in continuing to love. Radical love is loving the unlovable. But we can't do it on our own. We need the supernatural grace of God's love. And we can't do that if we are not spending time getting more and more in touch with God's radical love for us. Otherwise, we empty out. We burn out. We drain out. We lose our patience because we're not getting as much love as we need, or as God calls others to love us. We're not being filled up by the love of others because no one can love us fully and perfectly. Only God can. So we need to spend time letting God fill in the gaps of the lack of other people's love. When we feel so sorry for the other person who's been hurting us, or has hurt us in the past, whether they're still on earth or have died, when we feel so sorry that we're concerned about their eternal souls, we are loving them radically. We don't have to have them in our lives but we are loving them radically. God doesn't call us to have abusers in our lives. God doesn't call us to keep trying with somebody who doesn't want to try. He calls us to love them in whatever way we can. And sometimes that's just for, by praying for them. But it comes from a prayer of not, oh Lord, would you change that person because then my life is gonna be better. Rather, it's a, oh, Lord, help them discover your radical love so that they will spend eternity with you and can enjoy your presence here on earth meanwhile. They're hurting. People sin. We all sin because we are not in touch. At the moment of temptation, we are not in touch with God's radical love for us and the solutions he's got that's a better alternative because sin happens because we're, we're trying to solve something. We're trying to complete something. We're trying to do something. You know, if, when I'm sitting in an argument against Ralph, it's because I'm trying to convince him to do something my way, for example. God's way is, it varies from me to, to situation to situation. But God's way is stop, pray, get in touch with my love, Terry, and... I'll give you the words, the peaceful words, that's going to get right to the heart of the issue. And maybe Ralph won't respond to it the way you want him to right away. But those words will sink in because those words came from me, God Almighty. And the scripture says that God's word never returns to him void. It always has some powerful effect. So I'd like to, uh, to end on that note. And when we come back, we're going to go over the, the questions that are in that, in that handout as we explore and unpack what the scriptures are saying about how to live God's radical love in our domestic churches. Thank you. This podcast was made possible by supporters of Good News Ministries who hope to strengthen and build your faith. 
If this episode speaks to your heart, then I ask you to pass it along to your family and friends. Share it on Facebook and Twitter. Forward it by text and email. And let us know what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. How has this episode made a difference? You can contact me through the Good News Ministries website at gnm.org or by texting me if you are one of our subscribers on WhatsApp. May I ask a favor of you? Please cover this life-changing podcast ministry in your daily prayers. And if you can, help me continue making these podcasts by becoming a sponsor. Any donation is helpful, but we are especially seeking sponsors for upcoming episodes. You've been listening to Terry Modica of Good News Ministries. For more faith builders or to learn more about this ministry, come visit our website at gnm.org. You'll find online resources and lots more to help you know the Father's love and grow closer to Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Visit gnm.org today.